Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. I'm going to take a couple minutes before I get um, uh, our, our panel up here to just um, spend a second uh, unpacking a little bit of the why behind the what, and then we'll get the panel up here and we'll jump into it. So Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through 28, very beginning, God says, um, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over, over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Can we give it up for our worship team? You guys are amazing. Thank you. We'll have you back up here in just a bit. So from the very beginning, the mandate of God, and I want you to pay particular attention to, to how Scripture lays this out. It says that God makes man in his own image. God made them male and female. Okay, And then it gives the instructions for what the husband and wife are meant to do. They're supposed to come together, leave his father and mother, come together with his wife, and become one flesh, okay? That's heterosexual lovemaking. And then the mandate is go out, fill the earth, subdue it, multiply, have dominion. That means have babies, okay? So male and female, he created them. Um, one flesh, then Go make a bunch of babies. And now I want you to pay attention to the attack and the order of the attack that we have seen in our culture and society. Started from the outside, fill the earth and subdue it was the, was the mandate that God gave um, Adam and Eve. And so for decades, abortion, up until very recently, the, a, a, the federal law was that abortion was uh, legal and appropriate, and that is a direct attack against the mandate of God to fill the earth and to subdue it. Then in 20, you know, 2012 up and through 2015, I think 2015 is when the, la the law was passed for same-sex marriage. So now the, the union that we see, the husband and the wife coming together as one flesh was then under attack. And now male and female, he created them, is under attack. And now it's not male and female. It's male, female, and some crazy continuum with a million things in between. So what I need you to understand as we get the panel up here is there is a systematic attack against the design of God, okay? Now, it's very important that you understand this part of it before we get the panel up here. We, I don't hate gay people. I love all people. What the great tragedy is, and this is what you need to understand about why the devil is so wicked and so vile, is what the devil does is he piggybacks and hijacks people's trauma, people's dysfunction, people's very real hurts and confusion and uncertainty and lack of, of affirmation, whatever the case may be. A perfect example is the Black Lives Matter movement. The Black Lives Matter movement took real hurt, 
real pain, real bitterness in 2020 and hijacked it and used it to propagate their own agenda. If you don't believe me, podcast my message from a week ago. I actually went through the tax return of Black Lives Matter. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So you can look at where Black Lives Matter spends their money to know what they're all about. You need to understand that the scheme of the enemy is to hijack real people's hurt and use it for his own devices. He cares nothing about the people, cares nothing about their lives, their healing. And so what you need to understand is what we are at war against is not a human being. The Bible says that our war is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's what we're at war against. So it's very important that we as a church understand that, that we don't hate people. We don't hate sinners. We hate the wickedness that would seek to latch onto them, to abuse their trauma, abuse their hurt, and use it for its own devices. So I want you to help me welcome to the stage Pastor Marco Contreras and Enrique Ledesma. Come on, welcome the panel to the stage. Come on. These are two of my best friends in the world, and I get to be up here with you guys. It's an honor. So um, I want to ask uh, a couple of questions. I want to start with um, Enrique, and uh, Enrique, you have a very particular attachment to the LGBTQ community, having um, lived a life within it and, and then a life outside of it. And I want you to just take, if you could, three minutes or so and just kind of tell everybody that doesn't know just your story and um, where you've come from. And I want to just take a second and honor you because um, the man that you are today is a, Katie and I get the great privilege of watching you develop into a man of God, a leader. It's been amazing. I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. Thank Come you, on, thank you. three minutes or less, let's go. Okay, three minutes starts. I always go squirrel and I go somewhere else. <laughs> So I grew up in church, third generation Christian. And then since I was little, the enemy hijacked my identity. It's like, oh, you like boys and this and that. So everything that I'm gonna say today, it doesn't come from, oh, I'm a pastor. No, it comes from being on both sides. Um, and I always like uh, dancing and acting and performing and all those kind of things. But the church always said no, because that was from the devil. We couldn't perform, we couldn't do anything. But the thing, when God gives you a talent, that talent is going to be there. And when the church says no, the enemy is going to make sure that he's going to use it for his kingdom. So I started uh, at 19. I moved out of my parents' house. I could do anything now. And the enemy made sure that there was drag queens around me because he knew my talent. So I was like, oh, this is fun. So I'm going to perform. So I started performing. Uh, I started I started like little by little, juice and shows here, shows there. I did it for about 10, 12 years. But those 10, 12 years, I started traveling. I started to being in pageants. I started to have my own show. Why? Because there was a talent inside of me, but I was using it for the wrong reasons. Wow. So it did get to the point that actually when I was little, around seven, eight years old, we used to live at my grandma's house. And my grandma, my aunt lived there, so I would go to her closet, wear her jewelry, wear her, uh, her clothes, and my mom caught me so many times wearing her stuff, 
And my mom walked out on me so many times and said, you are a boy, you are not a girl. It is so important what you as a parent speak to your child. Because if my parents weren't believers, imagine I would have been a transgender right now and I would have hated it because I love being a man and who God created me to be. So for 10, 12 years, I perform, and I think there's like pictures, if you guys don't believe me. Uh, some of you guys uh, know my story, and I don't know if, yeah, maybe. Oh, they're coming. So that was me in a pageant that I did. I got like third place, but who cares? <laughs> but that one I did win. But you know what? It's crazy because the enemy started to hijack, and people started to knew Kalani, that was my stage name. And people would call me for, by my stage name, and people would like, if people would call me Enrique, I would keep walking. How the enemy started to change my identity, even by my name, and I started to believe. And it they get to the point that I was like, maybe I should have a sex change. The reason I never did is because of my parents, because they were believers, and I was like, I don't wanna break their heart. But the enemy already started to plant it a seed, but I'm so glad that I had parents that always spoke the truth of God. And I went from that to this. Come on! So amazing. What a story, man. So, uh, you know, the sort of the mantra that we hear kind of coming out of that community and the language, and it's, you know, it's, it's love is love. And which is so confusing to me. It's like saying bread is bread. Like it means nothing. It's circular <laughs> logic. It, the, anyway, it's incoherent, but that's another story. Uh, but I, I think my question is, you know, there's obviously something in you that was searching for this acceptance, this affirmation, um, but did it deliver? Like, did you get the acceptance? Did you, get the, did you find love in that community, in that lifestyle? That is so good that you say love is love because... The, the enemy's number one weapon, it's language. And it's always been since the beginning that God really said when he told Eve. It's always been language. If you really look at the history of when gay marriage passed, it was equality for all. Nope, it didn't pass. I had to write it down. And then gay marriage didn't pass. And then no hate didn't pass. When did it pass? When the enemy changed the language and, said, and it said, love is love. Also, if I don't vote for it, that means I'm a hater. The enemy will always play with your words. Oh, you're a homophobic. Let, let, let's back it down. What's a phobia? Phobia is me being scared and being afraid of something. No, I just disagree with you. But the enemy will corner you, and if you don't know the word of God, you're going to stay quiet. So people say, oh, love is love. We just want to be married. I've never met. And this is honest truth. I never met a gay couple, and I was in the world for 15 years, who was either faithful to each other or was in a monogamous relationship. Wow. Not one. So they want the approval and because they're looking for love. They're looking for the acceptance that only God can give you. And they're always looking at on, on, in, in sex and all these things, but that's something that you're never going to be fulfill until you finally have a, a real and true relationship with God. Come on, that's so good. So let me ask you, Pastor Marco, um, you know, obviously as I shared, you uh, just decided to 
kick the hornet's nest. And, you know, post, and then you double down and put up another post that said, hey, like, I believe that there are families in Chula Vista that agree with me, even though there's a very noisy minority. So what, what was it in you that kind of rose up and, and just felt like, like this is the hill that I'm going to die on? That, that's exactly what happened. A friend of mine sent me the post. He's like, hey, have you seen this? And it just, something rose up in me that I knew I had to say something. So I was sitting on the couch with Natalie, and, and it's almost like, you know, I don't know if you've ever gotten in a fight, but like just something gets inside of you. But I knew that it was bigger than, our, than just fighting against this little business hosting this. I knew it was about our values and holding the line. So what happens is people are always looking for leadership, always, always looking, who, who can I follow? And oftentimes, the, the, the loudest people become the leaders. It doesn't mean they're qualified to lead or that they have the most, uh, um, you know, accolades or they should lead. But if, if we don't stand now, if we don't rise up to speak up, no one else will. So I knew it was time to hold a line on our values and say, hey, this is not okay. And, and I knew that God called us um, from the beginning to, to slay the giant and the strong man over the region of Chula Vista. I knew it wasn't about, you know, this little thing, but I knew that we had to fight these demons. And, uh, and yeah, we picked the fight and <laughs> went kind of crazy. Let's go. So um, one of the things that uh, I noticed kind of, you know, cruising through some of the comments, one of the big rebuttals was, you know, hey, what's the big deal? It's not a drag show. It's just a drag queen hosting trivia. You know, it's not, and so what's the big deal? And if it, if it bothers you so much, then just don't have your kids go. So what, what's your response to that? Like, oh, you know, it's just whatever. Like, if you don't care, if you don't like it, then just don't come kind of thing. What's the, you know, how do we, what's the rebuttal for that position? Well, it's been going on for so long, and most of us are afraid of saying anything because we don't want, we get called hateful or you know, we, they get so loud. They're like little chihuahuas, you know, yeah. hyenas just. <laughs> and, um, but, but it, you know, if we don't speak up, then nothing happens. But um, the, the essence of that movement, the nature is sexuality. Yeah. And, and there's, a, we need to let the kids be kids. Yeah. Children be children. They, they, we shouldn't have to bring sexuality to the children. And it's interesting because my post was just protect the children. It was nothing, had nothing to do with hate, nothing, but they just, oh, hateful and bigot and all these things. But I just knew that if, if, if you want to make an impact and, and if, you, if you, and I know, I, I know we've all been called to make an impact and to stand for the kingdom of God, you cannot live for the approval of men. The, 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 the more influence God gives you, um, the more susceptible you're for, for controversy and hate. And you have to be okay with it. So I was just fine. I'm like, hey, I don't care what you think about me. This is wrong. Let's go. Yeah. Come on, amen. It, yeah, if, I think, I, if I please, may yes. add to that, um, and I just want to say, whose battle are you really fighting? And do you know whose battles you're fighting? When gay marriage passed, 2015, I remember that Sunday, that weekend, and my brother is a witness, because we were at my uncle's church. And my uncle said from the pulpit, this week, um, 
something really sad happened, gay marriage passed, and gay people really want to elevate themselves, and they want to be gods above everybody, and they want us to do everything that they want. Honest truth, this was about two, three months before I came back to Christ. I left the church pissed. And I went, of course, on Facebook. How dare you as a pastor say all these lies in the church to post it? I went off. And now, seven years later, look where we are. Choose from gay marriage. We choose one gay marriage. Now I can go into a woman's bathroom where a little girl is at, and you must respect that. Whose fight are you fighting? Now, it's just the drag queen doing trivia. Just? If we don't stand up as Christians, what, what do you care more about what people are going to say or what God is going to say when he said that you stood up in that generation when children were crying for me? If you look at the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, and something that is really interesting that I ju- it just caught my eye, that is that God destroyed because of the, 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 I believe it says because of the, the cry of the innocent. Who's the cry of the innocent? The children. Look at all the wickedness that they were doing that they got to the children. That's exactly where we are at right now. So if, are, are you fighting a fight for the world or for God? And if I can add to that, it's so good, Enrique. Um, if we're not careful, the world um, worships political correctness. So, and, and if we're not careful, it just gets into our own thinking, our own mind, and how we, our own mindset. So, in the name of not, you know, offending anybody, we, we don't want to speak the truth or say, hey, this is wrong, this is right, because they can come at you so strongly. And um, what, what used to be called gender dysphoria, because we don't want to be accepted, have acceptance and tolerance, now it's like, oh, it's just, it's just another group. Because of the political correctness, but we as a church, as the people of God, we have to be aware, hey, political correctness has nothing with the Bible. So we have to call what it is, what the truth is, and the truth is. And, and it's not us, it's the truth. That's right. You stand on the word of God and you cannot go wrong. And I love, um, the, the, to me, the irony, and you know, Pastor Marco pointed this out, it's like, hey, I'm not, all, I'm, all that you were um, championing was the innocence of, of these children. And I think, I mean, think about it. If it was like at some, you know, a, a, a straight establishment and we're going to have stripper trivia with straight woman doing stripper trivia, I would still be like, what is wrong with you? Family-friendly trivia with a stripper? No. It's not about gays. It's about the over-sexualization of young children. That's what it's about. It's not about gay, straight. It, it's about the imposition. And I think the, what is so... Um, wicked about it is it forces parents to have conversations when all of a sudden I mean I remember just a couple weeks ago my sweet little son who's just like the most innocent kid in the world um Katie's mom for some reason calls being naked being nakey bakey I don't know why just to the kids not to me that'd be very weird um and so Zeke my six-year-old son was just playing in his room with Legos and then came out while Katie and her mom were watching a movie and it just so happened there was a scene, nothing crazy, but you know, it was a guy and a girl kissing and not maybe wearing, and literally Zeke goes, why are they kissing in nakey-bakey? <laughs> and so 
it forced me to have a conversation. I had to sit Zeke down and say, when a man and a woman love each other very much, and we had the talk. And so what this situation does is it forces parents to have these conversations, forces them, and it takes the power away from parents to have these conversations when they feel it's appropriate. It's an imposition on the sovereignty of parents over their own children, which is another really, really big problem. Enrique, I want to ask you, again, you know, as someone who, you know, has been in it, so you can speak with authority on it, is the idea of it's, it is family friendly, because it's not like a drag queen dancing around. It's not a drag show. It's just someone in costume hosting trivia. And I think, and again, I'll argue, you know, the, the other side. It, wh- how is that any different than some mom dressing up like Ariel the Little Mermaid and hosting Disney trivia, which I think would be weird too, but whatever. <laughs> so h- how is that any different? Like, again, that's one of the big arguments. Is it possible to decouple sexuality from the drag movement? My answer to that, it's no. Because the, when you do drag, it is really sexual. Doesn't matter how innocent the song is, doesn't matter, even Disney songs. When I used to perform like a lot of Disney, a lot of comedy, it is really sexual. And what it does, when you put a, a child in front of a drag queen, it starts to mess with their mind. It starts to to desensitize them to the image of God. Because what happens is that the, the child will start to create a narrative of something that is not. I used to always say, I was born this way. Because that's all I could ever remember. I always remember liking boys and that's it. So to me, it's like, I was born this way. When in reality, now I look back through so many deliverances and healing, there was a fact that my dad was physically present, but he was not emotionally or verbally present. I never heard an I love you from my dad when I was little. I never said, good boy, you're doing good. It was all the opposite. So what you speak to your child, it matters because it starts creating a narrative of who they are. Now I look back and I'm like, okay, well, there was this thing here that started to change my mind, this thing, this thing, this thing, that my dad will like, like go out, like come back home all drunk and, and it's like, tell your mom that she's this, tell your mom that she's that. So as a child, I'm like, okay, women are like this, men are like that. So it starts to twist a child's mind. So when we put a child that it's two, three years old, it's like, oh, okay, that's normal. Because that's what the enemy wants to do, desensitize who it is. And now if we look at all these videos that they post on social media, is that really normal? Like a a guy in a swimsuit spreading their legs? But people who are wicked will not see beyond what they don't want to see. Because if they say, oh, this is bad, they, they need to do inventory on their lives. I mean... There, there's the, I probably most of you guys have seen on social media, the gays against groomers, that, I mean, all these people who are trying to pervert the child, they are calling them haters. They're trying to block them. Why? Because the spirit behind it, not the, not the people, the spirit behind it 
it's stronger than the community. I remember when I came back to God seven years ago, I felt so clear. God said, the spirit that is coming is the spirit of pedophile. And we're here now. And if we don't stop now and we don't stand, just like Pastor Marco said, how far are we going to go in five years? So good. It's true. So speaking of Pastor Marco, how, how do we as leaders, as Christians stand in a way that's, again, like we are called to love people and to, to see that there are people who are hurting, that are desperate for um, affection and acceptance, that are trying to fill that void in them that only God can fill with all kinds of things, whether it's um, the gay community, whether it's drugs and alcohol, whatever, pick your vice. And so how do we as leaders stand on the truth, be unashamed of the truth, but also love people as people? How does that, how do we do that? Great question. Thank you. Um, I, I think... <laughs> Um, you, you can't let what we call love supersede what the truth is. Um, the Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible calls the word of God the sword of the spirit. The Bible is a sword. When you speak the truth, the word of God, it cuts. It cuts to the heart. But what, when we speak the truth and, and the, we let the word of God out, it cuts in the world because the world hates the truth. They call it hate. So it's important for us to understand that it's okay for us Christians to speak the truth. Listen, my, I, I didn't have, I, I was afraid of speaking up for so long because I didn't want to offend anybody. I want to, you know, it's, it's scary having people coming against you. And, and, and you almost like, ah, you just want to be, get along with everyone. I don't want to go get into this. But, but God, I, I knew for me, God called me to speak the truth. I remember Pastor Rudy last election. Uh, he said, Marco, if God, it was praying for me. If God gave you a voice, speak up. And, and for me, I have to steward the position he's given me running for, for city council in office. He's given me a mic. And if I don't speak up, what a, um, what a sad story. God gave me an opportunity to speak the truth. Why not? Now listen to this. If Peter, the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, when Peter preached the first message, that the people were cut to the heart because he spoke the truth. If Peter was preaching the first message today, they would call him hateful. It's important for us to understand as the body of Christ, if we don't stand up now and rise and hold the line on our values, no one else will. And before we know it, Chula Vista and our region will become another San Francisco, another crazy town, because we lack courage to speak up. The word of the Lord today is courage. You gotta speak up and don't worry about what people think about you. That is actually love. If you look at statistics, they love science. I love science too. First and foremost, a, and the, the relationships in the LGBTQ community is unscientific. God gave us sexuality to reproduce. We talked, what does a man do when a man with a man? They can't, re a girl with a girl, what do they even do? Like, they can reproduce. It's unscientific. So, 
how do we love them? Going back to your questions, I have close relatives of mine that are living this lifestyle. And it's, it's brought a, a big division because I had to stand on the truth. Yeah. They asked me, do you approve of what I'm doing before the wedding? I said, I don't. I love you, but I don't agree with your decision. I don't agree with your choice. It's not a choice. It's who I am. It's how I was born. I, to me, the fundamental difference we have, it's, it's a choice you're making. I don't believe God made you that way. You're choosing that. Listen, I love you, but I don't agree with your decision. Well, that was the end of that relationship for now because she, you know, didn't want to continue it. But I, I, I tell, you know, close relatives of ours that we know each other, I'll always be here with my, my arms wide open, whatever she needs. I love her. Whatever, I'll always be here for her. But we cannot allow you know, this in the name of love to stop speaking the truth. It is time for the people of God to speak the truth with courage. Amen, amen. And Enrique, uh, one of my favorite stories, um, and I'm going to put you on the spot because I didn't tell you about this, uh, is the story of, um, I'm trying to get the timing right. I think it was when we were doing the outdoor services during, I think it would have been probably like June-ish of, 2020, and I had asked you, I think, hey, will you um, come up on stage and pray? Um, and that particular day had significance to you. Can you just kind of recount that story for everybody? Because I think it's so amazing. So the day, which it was, uh, it was like August 5th. Wow. August 5th. Yeah. Uh, so August 5th of 2015, the day that I hit rock bottom, I was in my, in my living room. And of things that I've done, things that from my past. And I remember that was the first time that I cried out to God and I was on my knees. And I was like, God, why me? Why me? Why me? But I also said, oh, my God. Like, there was so much fear gripping me that I was like, oh, I just want it to be five years from now. And I want to forget about this. I just want to be 10 years, 20 years. And, but the five years was really clear in my mind. So that day... August 5th of 2020, five years later, wow. when we were outside of the parking lot and we were having the services, Pastor Mai asked me, will you pray? So I went and prayed, and I think I prayed for generations. It was like four generations um, for the youth and all that. And then when I went home, uh, I opened Facebook, and then it said five years today. And then it was a post that I posted. I was like, God, take me out of this and stuff like that. So God reminded me five years ago, you pray this and look how far you have come from point A to point B. Come on. So five years, 2015, in complete despair, like crying out to God, God, I can't even bear the thought of, of having to work through this. And he, can you just fast forward five years and then five years to the day? Enrique is standing on a stage for the entire city to hear, thundering away, praying for the generations and our high schoolers and our middle schoolers. It was just such a, such a moment of the transformative power of God. And I think I want to close with this. We'll go ahead and get the keys to join me uh, up on stage. We're going we're gonna to pray um, and close the service out. But um, to me, you are a, a beacon of hope because it means that it is possible. It is very possible to have believed lies and, and be sucked into that lifestyle 
but for God to actually reach into the muck and the mire and pull you out. And here you are, just an amazing man, just a, a in, in every way. So it is clearly possible. And just talk through like, what has the, the journey been like kind of since um, saying, you know, yes to God, coming back to Christ? What does that transformation process look like? Um, and just uh, we'll, we'll close with that and we'll pray um, for a few things. I think it's so important. I, I've, I've heard so many conversations of so many people that, that say, well, I want to invite my gay friend, but I don't know how they're going to receive. And, and just like Pastor Gladys said, sometimes either the other person blocks God from a blessing or we do because we are thinking, oh, what if they don't receive? What if they get offended? What, what if don't? Who are you to block someone else's blessing? You just invite them to church and let God do the rest. To me, it was an Instagram post that I, to me, this is even crazy how God started to work. I met a guy who was related to my family and when I was about 21 at a bar. And then from there, I met another one of his friends, friend number two. And then friend number two, I met a guy number three, which he was so annoying. And I was like, I can only be around you for two seconds. You're too loud. You're too, I was like, shut up already. So I start seeing friend number three. And I, I kept doing life with the, the guy that I always called my cousin because he was related to my family. When I hit rock bottom and I needed someone, the guy who was so annoying, he was still my friend on Facebook. And then I saw that it's like, oh, C3, what's that? So someone that it was so annoying that I had met about 10 years before it's a person who led me to awaken church. I asked him, is this a gay-friendly church? Meaning, can I keep doing my thing and no one's going to say anything? Because that's what it means when it's at a gay-friendly church. And he just said, he took about two, three weeks to reply. <laughs> and now I understand because I do the same thing. <laughs> and he said, just come. That night, it was a baboa. Pastor Jurgen was preaching. And that day I just raised my hands and I never left. Wow. What if he would have said, oh, I don't know. What if, what if he doesn't receive? What if, well, but I did. And it took me about two, three years and no one ever asked me, Enrique, are you gay? Enrique, no one did. It was on my own time and it was right here because I was praying for someone. And as I was praying for them, because they're like, oh, will you pray for me? I was not in ministry, no nothing. And then... I was like, yeah, sure. And I started, as I started to pray, it was like, I couldn't. And then Pastor Emma, I told her, I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. Is this something spiritual? Pastor Emma, Pastor Stacy, and then Pastor, uh, Dr. Stephen. And then that's when Pastor Emma said, tell me about your past. But by then I was ready. Because two years before someone said, Oh, tell me about your testimony. And I, I froze and I was like, uh, let's just say it's really colorful. <laughs> That's all I said. Because I was not ready to open up. And from there, God started to take me through a process and uh, of healing, of restoration. I was actually, I got baptized and I was still performing for a whole year. 
when I finally, and my, my, my siblings asked me, are you gonna stop doing drag? And I was like, no, because it's really good money. I mean, I was going home like two, three, four hundred dollars a night. So it is really good money. And, but I said, God, when you're ready, we are gonna stop doing it. Because he was healing other things in my, in my, in myself and in my heart. Until I finally felt God said, Let, let's stop this. And I said, God, we're gonna stop doing drag, but you're gonna have to take this desire from me. Because I love performing, I love being on stage, I love doing all these things. In the last show, when I was driving home, I was like, I'm not gonna miss this. And I haven't missed it. But why? Because God has replaced it now with Hero, with Twisted, with all these things. Now I'm, I'm using the same talent that God gave me for His glory. And one of the things to close is so many times we get so caught up in the things that we're still doing that we forget to look back at the things that we don't do anymore and how God have brought us out of. Last year, when I got invited and it was such an honor to speak at Emerge, my testimony, and right before going on stage, the enemy said, who are you to speak to 2,000 men? Do you remember what you used to do? You remember this? You remember that? You right before going on stage, and I went on stage. And then when I came down, my brother, not this one, the other one. But he looks like him because they're twins. <laughs> he said something that broke my heart, but also built my heart. He said, he hugged me and he was crying and he said, you know, I used to be so ashamed of you. But now, I want to be just like you. And I hadn't noticed how sometimes in our families, we, we want to preach God. We want to preach the goodness of God. Oh, you should be a Christian because the lifestyle that you live, it's bad. Whatever lifestyle, you're an alcoholic, you do whatever, you're far from God. But my question to you, if you're preaching to your family, to your friends, do they want to live the life that you live? Do they want to be like, wow, you know what? I want to be a Christian like you. Because if you're partying with them every weekend, if you're drinking with them every weekend, if as a husband you don't honor your wife, if as a wife you don't honor your husband, why would they want to live a life just to say I'm a Christian and you live exactly the same way as the world? I'm not saying be Jesus, but be transformed. I used to pray, God, take the gay away. God, take the gay away. God, take away the, the gay away. He never did, but you know what he did? He walked with me all this time. A lot of times God will take you and transform you overnight. And a lot of times he won't. You need to walk it out. How bad do you want your freedom? Amen. I can go on and on. So good. Hey, let's stand to our feet. 
I'm going to ask Enrique actually to just pray um, into that over us. May we as a church family uh, live a life that is desirable, that when our lost friends, whatever they're lost in, and, and people, listen, people can be lost in their own righteousness. And I'm my, I think my wife went to go feed my son so I get to throw under the bus. That was my wife. My wife grew up like never making a single bad decision like her whole life. But that was her sin, was that she prided herself in, in being good. But the, the reality is, is, is none are good, none of us. The Bible says that the good deeds we bring into the throne room of grace are like filthy rags before God. There's nothing we can offer him nothing. So it doesn't matter what, what people are, are lost in. It, it could be whatever, a substance. It could be a lifestyle. It could be even your own self-righteousness and, and independence. Like, I don't need God. I'm good. I got it taken care of. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But can we live the kind of life that people look at and say, gosh, I want that. And so Enrique, I want you to just pray over us um, that, that we would live out exactly what you just, just talked about. So come on, let's pray. I just want to say to one of the things that Pastor Mike mentioned, why am I here after seven years? Because I walked into a church who loved me, who embraced me, and who cared for me. Whoever walks in through that door, even if it's a drag queen, even if it's a guy, let's make sure that we love them, not approve of their lifestyle, but we love them because we don't know if there's a mother who has been praying for that child to just walk into those doors. And if we love them, we embrace them, there's, there's a, a radical transformation and a testimony that will happen when we love them. Thank you, Father God, for this city, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for the hearts that you have given us, Lord, to love the world the way that you love them, Lord, that you gave your life for every one of us, Lord, before we were born, before we were even sinners, Lord, you loved us, that you care for us, Lord. Lord, that this night, that there's a mirror, Lord, in front of us, that we can see, Father God, that before we point out and say, you need to change this, you need to change that, Father God, what, is, what are the things that we need to change about ourselves? What are the things, Father God, that you don't approve in our lives? What are the secrets that we are holding, Father God? Because we are ashamed, because we are afraid what others are going to think. Thank you, Lord, that you are bringing healing to our souls and to our spirits. Thank you, Father God, that we are walking out of here, Lord, with freedom. Thank you, Father, that, that every word that comes out of our mouth, Lord, are not only to edify ourselves, but to edify those around us, Lord. If there's someone in our world, Father God, that is far away from, from you, Lord, let us be the reflection of you. Let us be the testimony, Lord, that you have for them, Lord. Let us love people the way that you love them. And if there's something, Lord, within them that you don't approve, that we do it with love and not with judgment. That we do it with care the same way that, you, that, that Jesus did, with care, with tenderness. Thank you, Father God, that we are a church that is known 
by our love. That it's known that we care for people, but we care for them too much to leave them the way they are, that there's a way out. That when people walk in, Lord, that their ears are open, that their spiritual eyes are open, Father God, to your goodness and to the gospel. That they can find the freedom, Lord, that they cannot find in the world. That they can find the love that they cannot find in the world, Father God. That every lust, every sexual addiction, Lord, that they've been trapped for so many years, Lord, that those doors, literally, it's broken down in the name of Jesus, Father God. That they find healing, that they find restoration, Lord. And I declare that every person that walks in through the door with a sexual confused identity, Lord, I declare that their minds are going to be radically transformed, Lord, that their eyes are going to be open, Lord, that you're going to see and find, Father, that they're going to have eyes for a wife, for, for, for a husband, Lord, for a children, Lord, because you are transforming their hearts and you are transforming their voice to who you created them to be, Lord. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, I, I just know that the Holy Spirit's about to unlock some of us tonight with, uh, from the, the fear of men, approval of men. God set me free from that about a year ago, and it's something that I have to continually fight for. What does that mean? Sometimes it's hard for you to speak the truth or to speak up because you're afraid of what others might think. Will they like me? Will they think I'm crazy? You know, how do you know if that's something you deal with? You say something, you kind of look at people's faces like, right? Do you approve of what I'm saying? But how many of you want to live a life that's free from the approval of men, the fear of men, especially today, the time we're living in today? If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I believe the Holy Spirit is going to touch you and set you free right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you right now. We welcome your presence. And I can already feel the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill this room. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I come against the, the spirit of intimidation and the fear of men right now in the name of Jesus Christ. And I command you to leave now, leave the people of God now in the name of Jesus. And I see the mantle of courage coming on you right now. I see like in Isaiah chapter 6, God anointed Isaiah's tongue with fire. I see God anointing your tongue with fire right now in the name of Jesus, giving you courage, filling your heart with courage, filling your mind with the Holy Spirit. I see chains being broken right now in the name of Jesus. And I declare the blood of Jesus covering the people of God right now. Come on, we prophesy people being unlocked right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Come on, being released to step into your destiny and all that God has for you. And I prophesy, I see pockets of opportunity for you to speak up and speak truth. Man, and the Holy Spirit is going to be there to back you up. Angels ready to fight for you. And you're going to identify those moments and say, this is my moment. This is my time to speak up. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the courage and the strength to speak up. So Lord, I thank you for that anointing right now. We declare that Awakened Church at Eastlake Campus in Coronado, the South Region, is a church full of courage. We will fulfill our destiny. We will fulfill our assignment. Come on, we will conquer the region. We will bind this strong man over the city. Come on, we declare the kingdom of God being established on the earth. That God has called us to establish the kingdom of God. 
Thank you, Lord, that people will be saved. We declare and prophesy revival in Chula Vista in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.